Good evening. A guy could uh, feel a little, a little set apart. There are like five pews here, and everybody's back in the back. It's good to see you all here, near or far. It's good to have you with us this evening. The title of the lesson this evening is All in Good Time. And the scripture that I had put in the bulletin was Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It's, it's a scripture that you will probably recognize uh, from Solomon because it speaks of a time, a time for every purpose under heaven. Let me read that to you. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This covers the entire spectrum of all possible times because it's always time for something. Now time's kind of an important thing. I remember as a kid growing up that uh, a family friend of my parents had given us an alarm clock from the Soviet Union. And it was about the size of a baseball and all of the knobs and, and, and the mechanisms for winding and setting the clock were, were covered by a removable back. So what you had was the face of the clock and one little red button on the top. Now whoever designed that clock was a genius, a genius, an evil genius, but a genius. When the alarm first off went, went off, all you would hear would be ding, ding, ding. After a random number of dings, the real alarm would go off, and it was like the end of the world had come to your bedroom. I mean, really, really loud, really obnoxious, just terrifying alarm. The problem was, you, you knew that that was coming. You could see it. You, you, you knew in your mind that that terrible alarm was coming with every ding. And you couldn't remember how many dings had occurred before you actually recognized and woke up enough to realize that the alarm clock is going off. I, I have to stop it. And the only way you could stop it was to hit the little red button. I remember very well being two rooms down from my parents' room in the apartment that we lived in at the time. For me, waking up was not the ding, ding, ding. It was the mad bum, 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 as my mother and father madly scrambled to get off the bed and across the room to the dresser to see who could slap that little red button first. Because they knew what was coming, but they didn't know when. How many more little dings before you ended with Armageddon? Now, the important thing about that at that point in time was that every second counted. You had to move quickly. Time is a fundamental part of our lives. And not surprisingly, it's an important part of what we read in Scripture. My online lexicon tells me that there are about 620 times in about 560 verses of the Old King James that refer to time. So it's, it's a fairly prominent and important issue uh, for those who wrote in the scriptures. Take a, take a look at the very first book of the Bible. How does it begin? In the beginning. 
setting a time marker. And just a few verses later, you see that God creates the heavens and the earth day and night. And he is setting a context for our time, how we evaluate time. So from the very beginning, time matters. Now I reviewed the verses that, many of the verses that refer to time in our scriptures. And I found that there are kind of two basic categories that time falls into as described in the scriptures. The first involves events or activities that happen as a natural consequence of the passage of time. They introduce or explain events like births or deaths or the arrival at a destination. Such verses often begin with something like, and it came to pass, or in the process of time. The second group involves God's use of, use of time, appointing a time, setting a deadline, or seizing an ideal moment. Now, it was, was within that second group that I was particularly captured by the phrase, in the fullness of time. You can find that in Galatians 4, for instance. The phrase implies that a bunch of different things come together to form a perfect set of conditions, an ideal moment for something really important to happen. Now, this idea is demonstrated pretty well in the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8. We're going to read about the Ethiopian eunuch and how he meets Philip on the road. Acts chapter 8, I'll be reading from verse 26 through 39. Acts 8, 26 through 39. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on the way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way, rejoicing. An open heart, a curious mind, someone with a clear explanation of the divine message, and water close at hand. They all came together for the eunuch in that fullness of time moment, that unique time. He recognized it for what, he, what it was, and he grabbed it with both hands. Philip led him into the water and baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ, and salvation came to him that day. The story shares something in common with most of the other verses that, that use phrases like in the fullness of time or at the proper time. 
They are associated with God's plan for our redemption, just as this story is. Those verses addressed God's timing in sending his son to live among us and having his son die for us. Let's consider his sending of Christ to us in the fullness of time. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. When Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem for the first time, they were greeted by an old man named Simeon. I like Simeon. Simeon's a pretty neat guy. He had waited faithfully for that very moment and that very time because God had promised him that before he died, he would see the Messiah. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read about Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Luke 2, 25 to 32. The scripture says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. For Simeon, the fullness of time had arrived. He had met his Savior. He had met the Messiah. Now Christ himself confirmed his mission to be true and a timely mission at that. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we read, and after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the culmination of all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. This is God's promise made manifest before those present. And this is the time. Another important and prominent time, a fulfillment, if you will, is the sacrifice of Christ himself. Listen to these verses as I read them. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. Mark 14, 41. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. And John chapter 19, verse 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And let's consider the redemption that went with these events. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at just the right time, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven 
and on earth under Christ. When the times reached their fulfillment, it all came together. So what does all this mean to us? Well, first of all, it tells us that God's plan for our redemption and salvation was not an arbitrary act. It was not an act of desperation. It was a plan, and a plan that came together at the right time. He sent his son in the fullness of time, and at just the right time, that son died to save us. God's timing meant an ideal condition for the rapid spread of his gospel and in the knowledge that would go to all men and all women of the potential that they had for a relationship with their God, the redemption and the price paid on their behalf. There was a greater willingness to hear and respond to the good news at that particular time, a responsiveness that was best demonstrated on Pentecost when you see 3,000 people in one group respond to that message. Greek was the common language. People were moving more freely due to the Roman peace and the Roman security of the time. Business was flourishing. It was the best of times for the spreading of the good news. All of these things contributed to the rapid spread of the word throughout the known world. God began with a plan and waited until the perfect moment to act. Second, this reminds us how much better God knows and understands our world and our needs than we do. Very few people recognize the fullness of time when they see it. And this, is true, this was true in Jesus' time as well. Who in Bethlehem prepared a place suitable for the arrival of the son of David and the savior of his people? Jesus was born in a stable and placed in a manger because there was no room at the inn. There was no place for the man who would save us all. The shepherds were out with their sheep doing business as usual until the angels appeared. Only the wise men following a star appeared to know what they were about and what they were looking for. Simeon recognized the Messiah in the babe that he held in his hands. But the religious leaders of the time didn't recognize Jesus when he stood among them and proclaimed the truth. Matthew chapter 16 verses 1 through 3 tells us this. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing him, asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? You're missing it. It's here. This is the time. This is the place. And you're not paying attention. You just don't get it. Even the apostles had trouble uh, seeing the currents that were drawing Jesus to the cross. Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that he had to die on the cross. He attempted to prevent it from happening by, by pulling his sword and cutting off the ear of the high priest's servant in an effort to, to stave off those who were getting ready to take Jesus away. And when he was put to the test, he denied Jesus three times. He didn't understand. It was the fullness of time. It was the moment. Finally, it reminds us that no matter how we spend our time, we are all ultimately living on God's timetable. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. I'm going to be reading 30 and 31. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. 
Similarly, in Mark chapter 13, verses 32 and 33, But of that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time is. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which all the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? How ought you to live as you await the fullness of time? We may not know when that time is going to come, but we know that God has a plan. And we know that when all things come together for his good will, that he will come again. And that he will take us home with us, with him, as God promised he would. That Christ, our Savior, has purchased us and permitted that. The redemption that a fullness of time brought with the life and the death of Jesus will come again when it is time for us to stand before our God and be judged. Because that's God's plan. And that's God, how God wants it. Now your presence here this evening indicates that you have an open heart and a curious mind to know the God that, that redeemed you. And to know his will for you. If you've not obeyed the word and submitted to his will by being baptized, then I ask you to consider this. God carefully planned your redemption. He sent his son and sacrificed that son at just the right time to give you the opportunity to consider what it means to you at this moment in time. You, like the Ethiopian eunuch, are standing at a moment in the fullness of time when you can consider your salvation and what it means and what you must do to achieve it. Acknowledging Christ as your Savior, setting aside what you were and becoming something new, confessing and repenting of what you, what you have been in the past and taking up a new life in Christ through baptism. This is an opportunity. This is a moment. Or maybe you've been baptized, but you're struggling with Peter's question, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Or perhaps you just need the encouragement and the prayers of the congregation in struggles that you face. Now is just the right time, and this is the place. The problem for all of us is that we never know when the fullness of time will bring God's day of judgment. It's kind of like the ding on that clock. In my parents' old clock, you know, we're waiting on the real alarm to go off. The one that marks the end of the world in the bedroom. You just don't know how many more dings there are left. Whether you need to begin a walk with God tonight or return to his side, I leave you with these final words. Ding. 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 Whatever your need may be, won't you come as we stand and sing? Thank you.